Welcome to the podcast where relationships, confidence, and determination all converge into an amazing heartfelt experience. This is Speaking from the Heart. Welcome back to episode number 52 of Speaking from the Heart, and this is going to be another two-part episode, which I was really excited and just an emotional mess even before we even started recording this episode. And I think that you are going to see probably the most riveting interviews that I have ever done when it comes to just digging into the soul of a person. Now, for this episode, I must put a warning in that we do talk about suicidal tendencies and about how those things have been triggers for a lot of what our guest has been through. And I even mentioned some of the things that I've been through as well. So if those are things that do trigger you, please stop listening to this episode. Although, For those that are struggling, I really encourage you to listen to this because maybe that is the threshold that allows you to get over what you're going through. Let's introduce Brianne Dodino, who was my guest, and she is the owner and founder of Beyond Grounded. Her years as a medical laboratory scientist enhanced her troubleshooting abilities. However, adversities throughout her life propelled her forward learning more about compassion, connectedness, and powerful purpose. She embraces being highly intuitive and loves highlighting this gift for others, which we talk a lot about over these two parts. Her passion of being an intuitive life coach, author, and speaker came alive after those many years of hardships. And during these times, she learned the importance of how your painful moments become your best friend and guiding light. She firmly believes that understanding the influences and value in life give the power to create the future that you dream about. And by using her coaching, along with other methods, it helps empower individuals explore and transform experience-based benefits and beliefs to create a more authentic, fulfilling life. Now, I have to say, there have been many people over these last several months since I started this podcast that... I have even mentioned have been some of the most authentic creatures of this world. Brienne saw through everything that I have been through, a very broken person, mind you, before I even became a coach myself, and was able to unlock some of the things that, even for myself, I'm still sitting here in awe and wonder, even after it's been a long time, even after all these experiences have happened in my life, and still thinking about what I could potentially do to become some of the best versions of even myself. And I think that this riveting interview takes shape of what is really necessary. Not only the people that we have around us, but also how we overcome some of the most biggest frustrations that we ever have. And in part one, we dig into a little bit of that and so much more. But with that, let's go to the episode. All right, we're here with Brianne Tadino. Brianne! Thanks for sharing your heart with us today. Hi, Josh. Thanks for having me. Yes, thank you. And I have to say to my audience, before I even hit the record button, I had an out-of-body experience with Brianne (laughs) and just opening up with her. And Brianne, I let the audience know a lot about you before we even started with your bio, which has been really impressive because I don't think I've ever had anybody on the show yet that has turned into from a medical laboratory scientist into what you do now as a, a spiritual life coach. So I'm just really fascinated by how you even got to 
being a medical scientist to start out with? Can you start with that? Okay. Well, as most people, we all have experiences that kind of guide us. And when I was 18, I was diagnosed with ITP, which is an autoimmune disorder where my spleen killed my own platelets. When I was younger, I always thought that I would be a lawyer or pretty much I thought I'd be a lawyer, <laughs> a highly analytical, very much about digging for the facts and truth. But when I had this experience at 18, I had to have blood work done three to four times a week to monitor my platelets. And I also was seeing a specialist at Hershey Medical Center who was such a godsend. They gave me a month to live if they couldn't control the fact that I was having like a self-induced hemophilia. Okay. So they didn't know I could just spontaneously start bleeding and they couldn't stop it. And it's just interesting when you're 18, you don't really think much about exiting. Although I must tell you that I was pretty much had suicidal tendencies my whole life because I never felt like I fit in. And the only thing that really kept me here was the fact that I really loved my brother very much. And every time I would have that thought process of I was better off, like exiting, <laughs> he always popped close to me. And it was like, wow, I never wanted him to feel any type of pain like that. That was always what kind of kept me grounded. But then fast forward and I had my own spleen killing my own platelets and I had my blood work done and I had bone marrow biopsies and was constantly monitored. I had high doses of prednisone and other medicines and was very much monitored. I kind of wondered, well, where does that go? Once they take it and put it in a tube, where does it go? And that's when that whole process opened up to being a laboratory scientist, figuring out where that went and what did they do with it? How did they know my number? Wow. And it makes me really think about some of my guests that I've had getting to this point where I have talked about even their traumatic injuries that they've had. I've had somebody that had undergone brain surgery to be able to then function in society. And I've also had people that have overcome some terrible accident that they've had in their lives in which then they've had to rediscover themselves and transform into what they are. And you talked about suicide. So just for my listeners, again, I always preach this in any episode, which we talk about this sort of subject matter. I'll put in the episode notes. If you ever know somebody that is experiencing any sort of crisis, I really encourage you to call 988. It's the national hotline in the United States to help get resources available, have somebody that's clinically trained to help with that situation. And even the website that helps support this, which is the National Institutes of Mental Health, which I've usually have referenced in past episodes, has a lot of great information that you should read through. Rianne, is the suicide that you were talking about happen because of just not only this autoimmune disease that you explained about, or is it something that was really happening deep inside of you? What was, was really putting was you in that? deep inside. We're pretty open in our society today talking about like empaths and people who are spiritually sensitive. And a lot of times when you're little, you don't realize how connected you really are. And the fact that I interacted with the other side since I was little, <laughs> I saw them, I felt them, I saw them, I heard them. And it was very difficult because growing up, it was almost like parents and society teach you that, oh, that's your imaginary friends or that because you're so little, it's almost like they unvalidate the reality of what you actually are seeing as real. So growing up in that, it made me feel like there was something wrong with me. It made me feel like 
No one understood me. Other kids were out playing and I was more isolating. I pretty much stuck to myself. I played once I warmed up and felt okay and accepted. But for the most part, there wasn't a single kid around me that was talking to me about the angels that they saw last night or someone else on the other side, or even, I'm going to be honest with you, I saw a lot of darkness on the other side. I grew up in a home that was extremely unstable. I had a father who was an alcoholic who brought other people into the home. So as much as there's light, there's also dark. And it's kind of a difficult thing for a little one to talk about. And it wasn't until I was about 28 when I even like finally grew. Everyone thought that I had such fire and courage that I could just be so open. And I just told people how it was. And I was so factual and to the point. But honestly, if I truly was, I wasn't living 100% authentic during that time. I was at that age, I probably was living only about 65% authentic because of the fact that I wasn't willing to discuss and talk about and feel like I was being judged or crazy for talking about the fact that I've always talked to the other side. And a lot of that sensitivity is really what made me feel like I didn't belong here. Yeah, as where you are now, do you feel that you are still out of place or you don't feel comfortable with maybe the surroundings or maybe the people that are surrounding you from the other side? Because I know that for me, and we were even having this conversation before we started this recording in that I have had a lot of those experiences in my life where those past versions of myself were always talking to me saying, yeah, you can't do it. You're never going to be able to do it. And what I didn't share with you is that I actually have had people literally say, yeah, I don't know if you really are who you say you are, Josh, because it seems like you're protecting yourself from those other entities or those other people. Guess what I'm asking is, do you feel that you live in the shadows with that even today as you practice? Or do you feel like you have overcome that? And the person that I'm seeing today is truly free from all that pain or that persecution. I feel like every step that we take forward in in speaking our truth gives us a much more more loving perspective of ourself. Okay. It gives us a much more loving perspective of ourselves. I feel a million percent more comfortable discussing and letting the world know that, yes, I do. I used to get really uptight about people wanting to label me as like a medium or a psychic. And yet we all are. Like if you even remotely believe that you might, then you have to understand that energy talks to energy and tangible talks to avatar tangible. I'm a million percent. However, due to my nature, I also have like a perfectionist nature which is a self-preserved kind of not good enough inside ourselves. However, this is where I found the sweet spot with that is that I've learned that my perfectionist is actually there to protect me. And it was there so that I could survive things when I was little that I could not understand. But now that I'm older in a different setting, I don't need it to the intensity that it has always been. So now and I feel like I'm getting to that point, like I'm writing my book now. And I actually have a working journal that I'm getting ready to publish soon. The inner critic starts kicking in, the perfectionist starts kicking in of how not good of a writer I am, or do I even sound clearly? Is this sound wishy-washy? What's going on? But I have to stop and I have to take a deep breath. And I have to acknowledge the fact that that inner critic, that perfectionist 
served me well by keeping me safe and loving me. But then I understand and let her know that I need her to join me in this, that we're not being hurt, that we're not living that life. And I love her for stepping up for me. And that has made like, such a huge difference where we become more of an ally as opposed to it being such a protecting mechanism in me. Um, that makes sense. It does because I have felt even in my own life and I have worked with even people through my own business where I feel like they are their own worst critic. So yeah. it's almost as if they're pitting themselves against each other. And what you're saying to me, if I would paraphrase and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel that it's not about pinning one side against the other. It's about finding that forgiveness, which one of my guests recently had talked about when she was going through two divorces about, yeah, I could hate that other person, but necessarily I'm not hating that. I want to forgive them because if I hate them, I'm giving them power. So now if we're able to join forces is what I'm hearing, we're able to do so much more. Am I understanding that right? Right. And even just to kind of a spin on that take, we all have our demons where we can judge ourselves about bad decisions, right? This is my wheelhouse. This is where I love to sit, okay, in the abyss with people, is that we can easily sit and judge ourselves and get nowhere. But what I love and what I have done with my life is I've been able to sit in that dark space and I've been able to find out why that was important. If I was not, if I did not understand what it feels like to be suicidal and want to leave, then I also wouldn't know what it was like to really appreciate and be present and love life and see how valuable it is to be present. If I wouldn't have made bad decisions, you know, being so guarded, I was extremely guarded that I literally would hurt people with facts to keep them away, thinking I was protecting me from getting hurt when I actually, and the whole time I was hurting myself by keeping myself away from everyone. But yet, had I not done that, I wouldn't value what closeness and love feels like. I wouldn't value what it feels like to allow someone to love and accept me and receive that. There's such power behind our challenging moments in our relationships and the things that we do. It's all so intertwined and connected into our understanding so that we understand what compassion feels like. We understand what love feels like. We understand what genuineness feels like. We understand where someone who is just down and out and you could just go in that space and you just know where they're at because you've been there. You see it, you feel it. And you just know the right thing that, that you could tell them that kind of puts the fire back in their eyes a little bit where they believe and not so hopeless and downtrodden. And you're going, listen, all of my clients and even myself have become forced to reckon with because of the fact of the time that you take to sit in that dark space and actually fall in love with it, because without that, you would not be you. I feel like that is something that a friend of mine, even one of my guests on episode number six talked about, which is just about being human centered. And he shared a story of one of his clients, since he operates a gym, coming up to him and he can sense that something was wrong. So it was sort of the energies and getting used to those energies being around us, which this ties into a question that I had because I feel like you have surrounded yourself with that team. And I love the term that you use on your website, if you don't mind me stealing it, is you call it your universal team. So you talk mm -hmm. about God or the source, angels, guides, and loved ones. Can you tell me a little bit about how those interplay in your life? And if you can, can you tie it back into how that ties for maybe somebody that you're working with or how it relates to even my listeners? Because I'm sure that even for me, 
I have that team and I had to think about that even with the exercise that we were doing before we even started this episode. We had to record. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Can you describe that a little bit? Yeah, I think pretty much the way that I describe it is the fact that even when we feel absolutely alone, you have an entourage, you have your universal team that your body can't physically see, but your body can actually physically feel. Okay. It's very much an energy thing. And the fact that we're all connected and we're all connected to our source. We're all connected, therefore, energetically to the angels. We're all connected to the guides that we've had in our lifetimes, as well as our loved ones in this lifetime that have transitioned. Because of the fact that we leave this tangible body and we become energy, we become one back into the energy of all, right? It's one of those things where we have such a web and network at our call. And they're guiding us, they're helping us, but a lot of times people don't realize it's them because they hear their own their own voice inside our head. Like how many people can honestly go, gosh, why am I talking to myself? And with the ideas just start scrolling, you're like, I don't even know why I'm thinking about that. And all you hear is your own voice. And that's because a lot of the times that's what your body is interpreting because it's hard for your body to go, oh my gosh, that's my grandmother or my parent or... A body, once it doesn't have that tangibility, it's almost like your body disconnects from it and just misses and longs for that person who is not physically there. But energetically, on a soul level, they're part of your universal team to help guide you. I'll give you an example of how I tangibly have a universal team. There was two times when I was little that I heard a woman's voice. The first one was when I was really, really little and my brother and I was going on a walk with a friend of the family's and this is a little graphic and a little emotional. It could be triggering. So heads up on this. We were going on a walk and he took my brother and I up into the woods and he decided that he was going to like expose himself and he would want that of me and my brother. And I kept hearing a woman's voice in my ear going, get him to play hide and seek. And when you're little and you're thinking, oh my gosh, you feel like you're so far from home, even though it was in the trailer court. But I'm thinking, play hide and seek, he's going to cheat. When you're little, you start thinking all these little things. And I kept hearing going, honey, 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 get him to play hide and seek. And luckily, nothing intense happened, thank goodness. But being a little one and being exposed to that, it is intense. I'm not taking away from that experience of myself or anyone else who has experienced anything of that nature of being intimately compromised in situations. So I got him to play hide and seek and I grabbed my brother's hand and I said, run. And we ran clear back to our trailer to our mom. And the rest of the story, you know, obviously played out. But that was one instance where I heard a very distinct woman's voice telling me what to do. And I did it and we stayed safe. Another one was when I was about seven, I was in a car accident and the driver hit a telephone pole and I wasn't buckled in. I was in the front seat and I almost went through the windshield. And when I was flying towards the windshield, I heard the woman's voice say, baby, you're going to hit three times. Just hang in there. I hit once and I went back and she goes, okay, one more. And I hit the second. She goes, last one, I promise hang in there, baby. And I hit the third time. And she said, trust me, you're going to be okay. And so when you're little like that, and I distinctively had, like I said, I can recount it like it's yesterday and I can hear her voice even today, but she was definitely part of my universal team. 
I never really asked her if she was connected to me physically in this lifetime. It really hasn't been a significant question for me to ask her. All that's important to me was she was there when I needed her and she kept me safe. Wow. First off, I feel like I've been saying wow a lot for my audience, especially with some of these testimonies. And these are authentic because I had to take a step back and process all this. For those that have never done a podcast, I have to take a step back and kind of think about, well, what did the guests say? What can I say in response to that? And I say wow because of holy moly. First off, there's essentially sexual abuse that you've been through with your brother, with that figure essentially in your life that you're thinking that they're going to take care of you. They essentially took advantage of that privilege. And then with you being in an accident and hearing this voice saying, don't worry, it's only going to hit three times and it's going to be okay afterwards. For some people, I've heard of these incredible stories of just going through something like that, finding this inherent strength, especially if you're a mother or father, you know your kid's trapped in it. You find this sense of strength superhuman strength and being able to pull them out of a wreckage. I've heard of stories just like yours of don't worry, everything's going to be okay. Kind of almost divine intervention, although you take the divine out of it because it's some sort of intervention, no matter what it is, whatever you want to call it, you could call it whatever it is. It makes me feel like, my gosh, how can you sit here and tell me this and be so open about it, Brianne? Because I would be devastated. I mean, yeah, some people can't carry through with life after having all these things and going through what you've gone through. Where do you find this energy is really my question, because I'm just mesmerized by the fact that you're sitting here, you're very transparent about it. And I don't think that I have heard of people that have been willing to really tackle those things. So where does this energy come from? I feel like I already know the answer. You're going to tell me that it's somebody else, right? Well, no, it's me. Ah. This is what I love about working with my clients. And this is how I really stepped in from being a scientist into my passion and my purpose of being this intuitive life coach is I've had people go, how is it? Why are you remaining so calm? I had a brain tumor in April of 2021 and had brain surgery. What really set us off is I kept hearing. And then this finally was when I finally listened, one of my good friends who I got close with really fast and furious, and we knew each other this much time in comparison to other people who knew me even longer. But she was like, why am I the one crying? And you're hugging me when you had brain surgery. Do you not feel this? Why are you the one not crying? <laughs> And I said to her, honey, this isn't my first rodeo. And then I had to think, and I'm like, well, how the heck am I doing this? <laughs> you know, because it's a pretty valid question. But what we really forget and really don't take credit for is all the answers are within inside ourselves. And if you are willing to actually sit in that space and allow yourself to feel and understand that your feelings are what bring you to the present time, even when it's reflecting on your past. It brings it to the present time to the table for you to acknowledge and go through. I had to do a lot of work. It wasn't like a flash in a pan, an overnight thing of everything's all right. It caused a tremendous amount of distrust. Hence the fact that, like I said, I literally would verbally, factually hurt people to keep them far away from me because I didn't trust anyone. Wait, and wait, wait, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. 
you're telling me that you have purposely pushed people away because of just what those experiences have been. Is that yes. what you're telling me? Yes. All the things in my where, life. Where have I you been all my life? Because I, I literally I, yeah. put up, I literally put up a barricade of concrete, brick, titanium. I always would say I was pretty much untouchable. My brother used to get really, really upset. He goes, why don't you let people see the sweetheart that you have? Why? And I literally would just phase out and look at him and go, why? All that matters is you. The rest of them can go fuck themselves. Like I literally had that mindset. <laughs> I wow. Honest to goodness. I literally had that mindset. And then I used to be called a bitch a lot. <laughs> And it was because I literally did not want anyone near me because I was terrified of being hurt. I was terrified of being judged, hurt. And when people would say, oh, you're such a bitch. And I go, you're welcome. And I'd walk away. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is not like just an overnight success. This was a lot of the universal team playing chess with me where they would go, you know, you need to stop asking, stop asking our source, stop asking God to send meteors and start over. I said, yeah, but I said, I'm not taking myself out of the equation. Take me out too. I'm not going everyone but me. I'm like, why are you judging me like that? And the universal team, they never let me down. We always end up kind of fighting and laughing about it, but they're like, no, you're not built for that. And I'm thinking, oh, really? Well, fact is we do get caught up a lot in what our reality is and our reality is our experience. And what I've learned is that my experiences can change like this. And my reality and what I thought I knew can change like this, <laughs> okay? With a snap of a finger, I can experience something that completely blows what I thought was reality all of my life out of the water. But I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the people. I'm grateful for the souls and their avatar bodies that took the heat from me, that planted the seed of coming and touch me and not <laughs> cautiously touching me and I didn't throw a spine at them, <laughs> you know? I'm grateful for when I was engaged when I was younger for six years and I knew it just wasn't a hundred percent, but when I cried for probably three hard days because I didn't understand and I was tired of always feeling like I was failing in relationships. I was just always tired of attracting the wrong people. But one of my coworkers, she ended up, when I told her, she noticed that my ring wasn't on my hand and she got all emotional. She wrapped her arms around me and I was honestly at that time in my life, very untouchable. But I had been around her enough that she was so sweet and sensitive that she had really wore down the fact that I wasn't really forthcoming emotionally where I would cry and be vulnerable, but I knew that there wasn't a malice cell in her body. But as soon as she saw that I wasn't engaged anymore, and I told her, I said, we broke up. She started crying and wrapped her arms around me and was squeezing me. I felt so uncomfortable. I felt like a cat in a, in a basin of water. I thought I was like, I was freaking out. I was freaking out. I was like, oh, uh, I thought my skin was burning. I had all kinds of things that if somebody ever tried to lovingly touch me, that it just was just bad. <laughs> but I'm grateful that she had the courage to do that to me, knowing how much of a beast I could have been then. She was a huge impact for later on in my life of healing. Was your husband, Joe, which I also read on your website, somebody there to help you out to kind of get you to that other side too? Because I always find it weird at unique times, which like you coming in and I had known nothing about you, mind you. And we had this open as if we've been talking for 20, 30 years about our lives and you were able to read that energy. 
was Joe somebody like that for you? Or how did that come about? Because I feel like the, he has a big role in this story as well for you. He, he does. I'll tell you, he does. And I always tell people whenever I had a great quarter life crisis moment in 2005, where I was tired of being told whose daughter I was, whose granddaughter I was. And that's why I say when we get tired and we're just done and we're just, we just go, I don't love this job anymore. And when we finally get that point that we no longer want to clock in there, it was purposeful. Okay. These pokes and prods and painful moments are a great catalyst to get you out of your comfort zone into stepping into your actual lane. And that's pretty much what happened where I just was feeling there was something more to life and I didn't know what it was. And I was actually was least likely to ever leave my neighborhood. I wasn't even one to go to the grocery store by myself because I didn't like stranger danger. Everything was stranger danger and suspect to me. So I just happened to be at work one night and I was working third shift. And when I walked past our bulletin board, there was a piece of paper with a red number and a business name on it. And that was all that was on there. And I just was drawn to it like a bug to a light. And I wrote it down because I was all like, I don't need people knowing that I'm looking at what the heck this is. I don't even know what it is. I took it home. I sleep in and I dialed the number. And here it was a travel agency to go become a, a laboratory scientist at hospitals that need temporary staffing. And I was like, oh my gosh, that was so foreign to me to think that I was going to ever pack up and leave everything I knew because of the comfort of being in my hometown, at least it was messed up and not, not fulfilling, but yet we all get caught up in that comfort. I end up calling. I end up applying right away. I end up giving my two week notice, packing my car up and headed towards the Poconos. And my role during that time was, I didn't know a blessed soul there. I didn't know anything about there. They didn't know anything about me. I wasn't looking for anybody. I was all about trying to fall in love with myself. I was all very tomboy. I never knew how to walk in heels. I taught myself how to walk in stiletto heels. I didn't know anything about makeup because I was too busy climbing trees and arm wrestling my brother. I was the oldest girl for 10 years on one side, eight years on the other. So I knew nothing about being a girl, but I taught myself how to do makeup. I taught myself what to do with my hair and off I went. And honest to goodness, the first night that my temporary coworkers asked me if I wanted to go out with them and I'm thinking okay, well, I'm having a quarter life crisis moment. Why not? So I did. And the first night and Joe's friend was actually buying me drinks and Joe went past and he went, Joey, this is Bree. And Joe pushed his friend off the chair and said, tell me about yourself, Bree. And I, <laughs> I was like, wow, this guy's pretty aggressive. <laughs> and most of the guys in my life were extremely passive, non-go-getter, but he like locked in and we picked up much like you and I talking. It was like Joe and I just knew each other. It's almost like I just understood him on a level that no one else ever did. And he knew all about me, even though he didn't realize he did. And when I first met him, I told him, I said, listen, don't fall in love with me. I'm here temporarily. I'm here to have fun. I'm here to find myself. I'm not here to be with the whole town, but you're a good looking guy. So if it happens, it's going to be with you. <laughs> Here, here's some stipulations. Let's just make sure we're on the same page. <laughs> Let's get here. on the same page. Do not <laughs> fall in love with me. And sure enough, here I am. I'll be with this man 18 years. Wow. And it's and honestly, it's because he had the tenacity. I tell everybody and they look at me like I'm crazy. I said, I knew this man could take a punch. I knew this man, if I ever got fiery and I needed to grapple about it, this man would wrestle me until I, <laughs> I was tired and all of the fight was out of me. And then I'm like, all right, let's have dinner. <laughs> he 
he was the first and only male in my life who was such a solid man, a very genuine protective man because he is retired army and he's been through his own interesting journeys. He's very fearless. But he looked at me one time and he went, sweetheart, contrary to popular belief, the world doesn't revolve around you. And I said, luck, it doesn't. <laughs> I was like, I don't know who you are, but do you know who you're talking to? But in the same token, I was like, whoa, yeah, guy. But it was what I needed. He's very calm. He doesn't get worked up about anything. I mean, he's had to take incoming fire. So he's actually extremely grounded and he's very thoughtful with guiding. But yeah, I, I needed a man who could handle my fire. Do you think that your fire is something that is really important in the line of work that you do, let alone your life and why? Absolutely. Because it's how we use it. I always say we have four elements. We have fire, earth, air, and water. And you got to figure out which one's your dominant and to find out where you need to really start working on to bring yourself balance. Mine is very analytical, which is an earth trait. And then fire is my second dominance where I'm either the greatest cheerleader you could ever have. I could spritz some gas and I could start a fire inside you to douse it with gas. And then we start evaporating all the emotion of water to get the earth underneath your feet. Knowing what you're dominant in can also tell you how do you use it? What's your intent with it? Because as much as I have earth and fire, I also can use it negatively, right? I can either be your biggest cheerleader or I can be Mount Vesuvius and burnish down, right? Yeah. So more than have to battle when I work with myself and anyone else is that we distinguish what your dominant traits are and how have you been using it. And that really gives someone a tangible understanding about what it is that they feel that they've been missing and they've been hiding from and fearful that they couldn't do and how to use what they're dominant to really give life to the other elements that they're really kind of like putting on the back burner. But yes, fire is very important to me because I love to get that shine in someone's eye where, especially when like you and I had our moment together before we even hit the record and there was that shine of fire in you. And I was like, oh, Josh, go boy. (laughs) But that's really what makes it addicting. I could take people into their abyss because most people, they won't go in there. Or if they do, they're kicking and screaming to go into that really painful space. But the moment that I can show you where your fire is and what you could do with that, it kind of brings you that glow and that light into what you thought was a dark space. Wow. This part one was something that even after I hit the pause button to talk to my guests some more about what they had even said, I even mentioned the fact to her that this was something that we certainly need to continue talking about. And even with all the things that we had mentioned, even when it comes to falling in love all over again, that really displayed for me the true nature of what this guest was all about. So let's recap what we learned about in part one so that we have a foundation for what we were talking about even later for that matter. I want to say that for anyone that is ever looking for something to help them get to that next level, it's really about figuring out what are the facts. And I've mentioned even in previous episodes about the importance of understanding what we observe, what we can measure, because there are the things that we tell as facts And those are the things that we can also tell as stories if we're not identifying it correctly. And now I have to give credit to where credit's due. This is because of the author, Joseph Grenny, and his co-authors, which they wrote Crucial Conversations for Mastering Dialogue. So if you're ever interested, 
in reading that book, I would encourage you to check it out. I'm a certified trainer in that and have been really enjoying just learning a lot more about that experience, especially when it comes to identifying those two things and teaching others. But we have to see people for what they really are. And yes, that is a very controversial statement in itself because we can easily make judgments. We make biases. We make prosecutions before even having a jury to figure out what is the truth and what is not the truth. And we even have a society that builds upon those sort of foundations, and sometimes those foundations get shaken to the core. But I think that we need to be able to view it from all angles, which comes into the fact or the conversation about self-preservation. Now, I have to tell you that even as a coach myself, we have to figure out what are the things in which we're just setting up ourselves as barriers with, as opposed to other things that might be just protecting ourselves from an uncomfortable truth, but we still need to hear that truth as well. And it's really about speaking to ourselves. And I love the fact that Brianne really mentioned a lot about that, especially with her field, in which before even being a scientist for that matter, she moved into these different types of conversations with other people to eventually get to where she is now, which is doing this sort of hard work with other people. But there was also a trial and error in her life in which she was trying to figure that out, not only with the people that she was with, but who she ultimately got the support from, her husband Joe, which I have to immensely thank Joe for being somebody that encourages Brianne through the different types of things that are happening. But we have to sit in that damn space sometimes of what is really needed to be worked through. And I say that damn space because sometimes we have to struggle through it. It's so difficult to outpace and outweigh those different things that are happening in our life that might be sending us onto the other side that might not make us feel so good about ourselves either. I think that we need to see it from all angles. And that means, simply put, that we are not just looking at it by ourselves. We need to have that retrospection from somebody else. We need to have that conversation with someone else so that we're able to find the signs, that maybe the signs that we have been looking at are not necessarily the true signs of where we need to go. In other words, those are the false signs that are creating some of the things that are happening in our lives. The people that we find oftentimes are those false signs. They might not have the best intentions in mind. And I have worked with people that have thought for so long that those people that they were helping were not really helping them either. And those are the people that sometimes we need to take a step back and ask, what is the relationship that I'm truly having? Am I really getting confidence from that relationship? Is it making me determined to keep doing my very best? And that's when we start to erect those barriers. Those barriers can be very powerful. Those can be barriers in which we are setting ourselves up to never be able to cross. And I know for myself, as your podcast host, I've done several of those barriers, which even to me, sitting here and listening to Brianne talk about those during part one, made me really think about what I have to do to continue breaking down those big barriers that I had set up even when I was a kid. Because you see, 
it isn't just about what people do and what people have been able to do in my life to get me outside of them, to look at what I have created, but it's also been facing the hard truth when the truth isn't necessarily clear-cut. I love the fact that she talked about the four elements, fire, earth, wind, and water. No, this isn't a Captain Planet episode. For all my Gen Xers and millennials that are older, we probably watched that wonderful cartoon series growing up. And yes, it had a lot of suggestions about taking care of the environment, making sure that we are good stewards of the resources that we have on this earth. But don't you think that Captain Planet actually had some of the bigger aspects in mind when it came to the different things that he was influencing the children on? No, he wasn't brainwashing, as I've read so many different types of articles about that growing up, even as an adult, about how that cartoon series really probably defined a generation of environmentalists. I'm not saying that the environment isn't important either. Don't get me wrong. But I think that for Brienne, using those four elements essentially creates some of the definitions of humanity and how we interact with this world. She mentioned to me even afterwards that the concept of Earth is analytical, and she identified that in me too when it comes to processing different types of situations. And I think that's where we need to be respectful of the fact that those four elements in itself can have a domineering factor. And they should be weighed as important because those create some of the basic tenets of who we are inside. Now, I'm not going to be like Brienne, and I've even mentioned in even a previous interview episode in which I talked about the fact that we all bring your unique perspectives, particularly when it comes to even coaching for that matter, even public speaking. But we need to get involved with what's needed to have ourselves step into the life that we really want to have. And having the friends, or even the husbands and wives for that matter, that create some of those things can drag us from those stories that we're telling ourselves and create some of the best stories that we ever thought possible. And I think that we should be concerned with not only the self-preservation that we try to have, which I'm not saying that we should take down all the barriers, but we should be open to the fact that if we change our mindset with being interconnected with the signs even if they're very few and far in between, we might even find people that are willing to work through us to help us understand what is truly important. And I think that is something worth considering, especially in this world that needs those different types of people. I think that as long as we are keeping ourselves open-minded to those vast possibilities, especially with the different types of elements that work in our favor, we can get people involved in order to help us and maybe, just maybe, erect those barriers that we've had for 20, 30, or even 40 years. Now, I have to say in part two, this will be something that allows me to continue building upon not only we have talked about today, but also what we'll talk about tomorrow in our next episode, which covers part two of episode 52. But for now, Thanks for listening to Speaking from the Heart, and I look forward to hearing from your heart very soon. Thanks for listening. For more information about our podcast and future shows, search for Speaking from the Heart to subscribe and be notified wherever you listen. 
to your podcast. Visit us at www.yourspeakingvoice.biz for more information about potential services that can help you create the best version of yourself. See you next time.